Welcome, guys, once again to the MMOs.com podcast. This is episode 94 now, and this is Altai, joined this week by... Omer. Gumball. Matt. And here we are. We have a great podcast this week, as we always do. And we're going to start with the weekly raid. What a surprise. Take what away, a Gumby. surprise. It's a, surprise, a surprise, surprise each week. Each mm-hmm. great week. This week we're talking about daily quests. And uh, this question mainly came up because we have been playing quite a bit of Revelation Online. If you haven't had a chance to check it out for yourself, uh, later on in the game as you level up, say around level 30, maybe 20 to 30, you start getting daily quests. And daily quests, unlike many other MMORPGs, are the mainstay form of progression in Revelation Online. It's actually quite interesting uh, in the sense that it's very different from other games. But about, I want to say Revelation's been out for about a week and a half now, right? Mm-hmm. After about a week and a half of doing the same daily quest every day, I'm starting to get tired of the repetitive process personally. And I, so we started talking the other day about what purpose daily quests ought to serve in a game. And we're using Revelation as a springboard to talk about them in general. Although if you would like to comment on your own opinion about Revelation Online's quest, feel free to do so. So I want to know, well, how should daily quests be implemented into an MMORPG? Should they be the primary form of progression? Is that better than just questing because you know exactly what you're going to do and it's kind of a grind? Or should they be something that you do at max level? Or should they just be a buffer? You know, there's a million ways to go about mm-hmm. it. So I want to hear from the roundtables. Whoever feels the most motivated, go ahead and take it away. All right. Put the link in again as well. So chat, let us know what you think as well. I am I am going to seize it real quick. I think a brief comment on it. Especially with Revelation Online, it feels like the daily quests were kind of like it's it, it very odd implementation. I mean, very few games act as you know give daily quests as a primary way of gaining experience. You compare the experience gain on the daily quest you do, like Trial of the Four Kings, you do the token quest, you do all those missions, and you compare it to traditional quests in the game. There are like there are a lot of side quests. There are a lot of quests in Revelation Online, but you get like three K experience for doing one of those. You run the Trial of the Four Kings, you run it like you beat one level, you get like a million experience. The, the scale makes no sense. You get so much experience for doing it. And it's it just odd because it doesn't even feel like something that's repeatable. I feel like daily quests inherently have to be something that's easy to repeat in a fun way. So it doesn't get boring every time. You run Trial of the Four Kings uh, like after 10 times, like, what am I doing? And yes, it, there are different levels. There's like 30 to 40, 40 to 50, and so on, different stages of that daily quest. But they're essentially the same thing. Even some of the, the each of the trials, each of the stages are literally the exact same with like a slight twist to them. So when the implementation is is meh, the way I think it is in Revelation Online, it becomes a chore. I think you have to implement it in a way that it kind of complements a feature of the game and rewards you for doing it. Like uh, for example, Final Fantasy XIV, you have the daily roulette. You know, it, it you queue up for a random dungeon, and it. The purpose there's a purpose behind it too. You get a ton of experience for doing it the first time, but also oh, Scrolls does the same thing. There, it's a very smart way to do it too because people that get to that dungeon for the first time, they're queuing for it specifically for their quest for the story, and it's hard for that guy to find other people to play with if he's the only one queuing for it. So the random roulette system encourages veterans to queue for random dungeons, and it dynamically scales you anyway, so it ends up working. Or if a game like again encourages you to do PvP once a day, if the PvP battlegrounds are fun. It's a cool way to reward you for trying out the PvP. It's a, it's a whole system in and of itself, and the first time you do it, it'll give you a reward. It seems odd to kind of segment it in a really weird like experience with like the, the Trial of the Four Kings and even those really small dungeons. When 
you're only queuing it for the daily and nothing else. And it, there's no other, like, added reason to be there. It just feels a bit odd, is my thoughts. All so, right. uh... Give it to Matt. Matt, take it away. I think my thing is, right now, it, it doesn't feel like you're actively choosing to do dailies. Like, a lot of mm -hmm. games, the way that they'll do dailies is it's like, you have this dungeon, this dungeon, this raid, you have these quests that you can pick up. If you're going to do that, just pick up the quests and get it done while you're there. There are other ones that force you like force you to go out of your way to do the dailies if you decide to do them, but they're by no means like necessary. They just give you like materials or something. I don't know. Mm -hmm. But I mean, the way Revelation does it, it just it just feels forced. Like it it feels like you don't have another option in terms of advancement. You have all these other things that you're forced to do to unlock some of the stuff to then later get more advancement, but your initial advancement through the levels feels very much locked into um your progress in dailies and the biggest problem with that is that it's not like 30 to 60 minutes a day it's it's upwards of two or three hours for one set of dailies and that's just obnoxious like some people are only going to play two or three hours a day so they're going to get on every day do their dailies and do their dailies over and over and never progress in any other way how should they be implemented though? What is like a what is a better implementation? I agree. I think the revelation system is definitely odd where you require to do it. Um I think you should just set up dailies, right? Mm -hmm. If people are going there, they take the dailies to these places. Mm -hmm. it, it's just something that you can do. It's repeatable. Like That's fair. It, Don't make it require, make it optional. It, it gives you something, but it's not like you're gonna be held back if you don't mm -hmm. do it. Now, I think I think what, I think what you all got at basically was that you guys basically didn't really attack dailies in general. Perhaps you didn't like the way Revelation happened to do them. Mm -hmm. uh, but I'm more interested in what you guys think of the concept in general. Like for example, I think it's a great system. Uh, again, Revelation doesn't do it the best. I actually don't mind the Trial of Four Kings thing. It's pretty short. You know, it's it's a, it's a set number of stages. That that one I don't mind. The one I mind is uh, the grinding one, where you're grinding the same spot, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but the dungeon one I don't mind either, because you got to run dungeons. But I do think, like you said, Final Fantasy has a better system, where it's a random dungeon you got to run, rather than the same one, for you know, depending on your level or whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, so, uh, go ahead. Uh, just as a note, in terms of the same dungeon, what really killed me is that you have like these three dailies that... At first, all of them are sending you to Darkfall. Every single one. Of them. <laughs> I'm so tired of Darkfall. Three times a day. <laughs> and here's another all thing. All roads Darkfall. Sh you know, daily should supplement, right? Mm -hmm. Whereas in Revelation, they're they are the meat and potatoes. Yes. Okay, so that's that's a little bit of balance in a mismatch. But in general, I do think dailies are a good system. I think people need a checklist. I think checklist is is a pretty powerful concept. Uh, mm -hmm. And you know, you need a reason to log in. Once you're locked, see, the, the point of the daily should be to pull you in, to log you in, okay? It yeah. shouldn't be it shouldn't be log in just do dailies and then quit because nothing else makes sense. Nothing else was worth doing. It should be, oh, I'm going to get a nice reward for only five minutes of effort. And then once I'm logged in, this game should be so good and compelling and interesting and fun that it, it keeps me going from there. Um, so as good as the right way to do it, it's the wrong way to do it. But as a, as a concept, I like dailies. Right. As a concept, do you think it should be designed... I think, I think a concept should be designed like this. You should make your game, right? And then add the dailies afterwards. It shouldn't almost be like... Like, the dailies should kind of encourage you to try some of the what the designers think are fun elements of the game. Will they reward you for the first time of doing it? 
You know, like, again, you queue up for either a dungeon, you queue up for maybe a, a PvP arena, or some other element of the game where maybe the first time you do it is, like, you want to get that off your checklist, you know? It just seems like the, the progression was designed to be a daily from the get-go in Revelation, which, which is why it feels a bit odd, about, you know, the, the way that works. But, yeah, I agree with you. As a, as a checklist, it's a good idea because it does get people online. It just it shouldn't be, like, the thing you have to do. A daily should be, like, a thing you want to do. And when you, when you make it like you have to do it and it's the only form of gaining experience fast, it feels a bit odd. And it's not like a deal breaker either. It just it just feels a bit odd. And I mean, the other side of it is that the way that Revelation has implemented it, it like severely gates you from day mm -hmm. to day how much you can progress. Once you've hit that wall with your dailies, you're not going to be progressing that much with, the, with every quest that you do. You're just kind of... You're stuck with a little bit of experience, but you're going to have to do, like, dozens of quests to get even, like, half a level after your dailies are done. In defense of Revelation's system, I'm going to try and work one up. I do find that when everybody is forced to do the same series of quests every day and they're locked from gaining significant amounts, amounts of experience outside of it, it does equalize um, the progression uh, overall for the population because... Because people are locked to those daily quests, those are the mainstays of experience, they can't out-level everybody else at a rapid-paced rate because they're locked off from the primary mm -hmm. content. So even though I don't like it, there is it's not all negative. Uh, I don't think that was their intention, mm -hmm. but it does, it does show like we don't see anybody who's already max level, I don't think. Most people I've seen in the game are all kind of hovering. There are people higher level than myself, and I've done my dailies almost every day. But not too much, because they can't. They can't keep progressing. At the same time, someone in chat mentioned this, when your quests, what make you go out and explore the world, offer such little reward, and there's no point to doing them, why do you have this open world? You know, it kind of, it, it, it hurts the, the purpose of the open world, which is what I didn't like about Wildlands. If you're going to have an open world, make the open world worthwhile. Don't use it as a hallway for your primary content. But I also, I yeah. Go ahead. No, I'm done I anyway. I also think that, I mean, they have some other, like, non-Q-style, you know, dailies in a lot of games. If you remember the, the Gold Sauce in FF14, and I think even uh, Revelation has the, the eggshell system. Like, it's called the Lucky Eggshells. Yes. Every, like, 60 minutes while you're logged on, you get, like, an egg, and you open the egg. It gives you a couple items and an eggshell. And you take the eggshell to an NPC, and it gives you some random items. So the dailies, I, I do like the fact that differentiating the dailies a bit, too. I don't think it should be just combat and just grind. So that's a nice touch to it. I do think dailies don't have to be just combat or core gameplay. Yeah. I think if you look at stuff like the Gold Saucer, like having non-combat elements in the game that kind of get you to log in once a day just to kind of maybe get your weekly CAC bot or your daily, uh, you know, lawyer ticket from the, the Gold Saucer are a lot of fun. And the, it doesn't have to be just combat. And Revelation does have at least that the lucky eggshell thing. Though it's a bit weird because you have to be on for a while to be, take advantage of it. And the game really encourages staying online. Like, I, I left my character online for hours at a time before because every hour you're online, you get one of those lucky shells. So oh, I left it right. running for like five hours. I forgot about that. I got to leave my game running. Yeah. <laughs> so I think the takeaway from this weekly raid is we all like daily quests. They just need to be implemented in a, in a uh, neater fashion. Their puzzle piece needs to be a little subtle. It shouldn't be the, the main way you engage with the game's content. I have a question for you guys, too. Kind of related to Revelation, a smidgen away from the dailies, but I think we're kind of wrapping up there anyway. When you guys are running Dungeon Revelation, like, how do you feel about the, the experience? 
not really the dungeon. Maybe the pacing. How do you guys feel about the pacing of the dungeon running experience? The rapid paced pacing. It's, yes, it's very quick. I think some things feel too much like damage sponge. Yeah. What nagged me was like, I had there's actually like literally zero time to communicate with your teammates. Like just kind of maybe strike up a conversation. Not just that, it's actually literally impossible because the the, the gold spam is way too <laughs> insane. But I do. I'm the guy who likes the kind of start a conversation when you're running it. I'm the I'm that guy. All right. Mm -hmm. Maybe to like dick around, maybe drop some dank memes, whatever. You know, I'm playing a game. I'm playing to have fun. And usually, you know, in between, you know, combat, maybe while my things are on cooldown, I can chat up things and make some fun conversation. And I think that's a fun part of games. But in Revelation, the fact that the combat is good and bad. And the, the bad is there's no downtime. Literally zero downtime. Like if you're not mashing all your keys and dodging attacks, and if everything isn't on cooldown, you're not doing maximum DPS. You have zero time to just talk and relax. And if you're if you have time to talk, you're just doing it wrong. You, you know, you're not using your cooldowns. So there's no medium where like there's downtime after a after a battle or even during a fight when you have cooldowns, which feels odd because I like striking up that conversation. But maybe that's just me because I know you guys. Aaron said he was a uh, he never talks in, in party chat. Uh, I need the text box to be a uh, ample size before I start talking in in chat. Mm -hmm. I, I can't see it in this game, but I do. Sometimes I like having conversations. It's fun. It's nice. It's nice to know that you're not just playing with, uh, mm -hmm. with other people's bots. <laughs> Oh, that they're not just autonomous machines. You know what? You know what all these games need? Open hmm. mic. At least, at least in the, when you're in a party, your party can hear yeah. you. Imagine why, that. Why don't MRPs do that? Some, I think, I, I think some do, but not, not many. Not any. I, 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 I heard of it. I heard of one of doing it, but it's not typical. I think, uh, I think Elder Scrolls does it on consoles. APB mm -hmm. did it, um, and I can't think of any other ones off the top of my head. Those are the only two I can think of. But it doesn't have a PC, Elder Scrolls? I don't think so. But that's such a nice feature, though. It can be the sale by default if they want. Fine, I get it. Like, some kids don't want to, like, talk to people and, like, maybe child safety, whatever. But if you have that there, I think it's a nice touch. And I think the way and more PGs are structured, too, I think we can agree that very often voice chat in stuff like uh, Dota or Overwatch gets very toxic, right? Because it's a super competitive game. I do think MMORPGs, where people are, are not going to be yelling at each other as much. I mean, even if you have a shitty party, like, you're not really getting mad because, like, it's not the same tier of competitiveness. And I think it can really enhance that experience, even to just dick around. I think if it's, I'm remembering correctly, uh, APBs was the funniest because you just, like, drive past people and they'd have their open mic on and you'd just hear, like, five words as you're going past and it would just be, like, something about some guy's penis size or something. But that's all you hear as you're driving by. <laughs> I love that stuff. That, that makes the game more fun. Like it's, it's a lot. Like it's nothing to do with the game, but like just messing around on, dicking around on, on, on whether it's chat or voice chat. I think it really enhances the game. And I love just kind of having fun in Overwatch team chat, voice chat, and it just. No, I, and I'm never. I'm not. I don't consider myself a toxic player at all. I mean, I might poke fun at people, but it's always in a fun way. Like I'm never taking the game too seriously. And it's. I think Revelation would have benefited from. Local voice chat. I think almost any MMORPG would have an optional, you know, local voice chat. I think it'd be great. Make it happen. Somebody call up uh, Netties and be like, put it in. If you snap, they know you're serious business, all right? <laughs> they'll, they'll put it in if you snap. Well, guys, let us know what you think about Daily Quest. I'll provide the link one more time here. Mm -hmm. And we'd love to hear your opinion. Uh, mainly because I think daily quests don't get, they're not normally in the spotlight, but if you play Revelation, you will certainly remember they exist.
And it is free to play, so go ahead and check it oh, out. Find out. That, what, that's what worth mentioning. I think just yesterday, uh, the the cl the open beta for Founders ended, and the regular open beta started. So if you haven't tried the game yet, you may do so. You guys got a glimpse of it here in the video. If you have, if you don't know what it is, so if it looks like something you want to play, go check it out. I think it's worth checking out, even if you don't want to play it. <laughs> uh, I agree. It, Only because it's so big. It's so big. It's also it's so different, uh, and it's worth just having it. In the back of your mind as an experience also remember think about like three years from now okay you're gonna be in like playing some other mrpg that you really like mm -hmm. right and someone's gonna say in general chat you guys remember revelation online <laughs> and you want to be that guy like you want to be able to connect with that guy because this game is gonna is like look people are trying it right it's a massive release it's definitely one of the biggest releases of 2017 and in the future when somebody brings up like revelation you want to be able to go back and say yeah i remember that shitty game blah 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 you, you know, know you know what i feel like that for wildstar huh wildstar i'm glad i tried it for the video we did a while back because yeah, it's experience yeah you know i feel like if it when it eventually goes away people are going to be like yeah remember wildstar yeah <laughs> but i mean obviously we, we can't connect with wildstar as well as stuff like ragnarok because we didn't play it that mm -hmm. much but we do have the experience you know we know what it was and i think you know it would behoove you to try revelation online there's my sat behoove. word. Wow. Behoove. Be serious right? <laughs> careful not to let the behooving trample you <laughs> oh <laughs> All right. I don't know. I'm out of it. <laughs> I want to. I want to take this briefly to what I thought was the most stunning news of the week, and it really was quite impressive. There was an interview with the CEO of Nexon, Owen Mahoney, in South Korea. I love that name, Owen Mahoney. So it's a it's a white guy too. He's right. He runs Nexon. He, he's, yes. a, he's a whitey. He's a white. Is white as they come? He's paler. All right. Paler? He <laughs> I mean, the guy talk, I mean, Owen Mahoney talked about a lot of interesting issues about, you know, Nexon, their games, their investments. And it was an interview with VentureBeat. And what I found most interesting, my brother pointed out to me, because he read the interview, actually, and then like, and he blew my mind with the statistic. Uh, Dungeon Fighter Online is a bigger franchise than all the Star Wars movies combined in terms of box office revenue. So Dungeon Fighter Online, since its release in 2003, had made $8.7 billion to date. Well, if you add all the box office sales for every single Star Wars movie to date, it's $7.6 billion. Remember, there's not counting DVD sales. It's not counting toys. It's counting just the box office sales. And that's the most successful movie franchise of all time. That is the highest grossing movie, fr uh, you know, movie franchise. And Dungeon Fighter Online, a game that most of us kind of like, yeah, it's like that, that, that 2D arcade side-scrolling game that, you know, Nexon shut down, Neo picked it up. It was kind of duped. People don't realize how just amazingly massive this game is. 8.7 billion. That's amazing. What? How? If only George Lucas knew, he uh, he'd be pretty upset. He would have made a DFO stylized Star Wars game. <laughs> <laughs> they have some of those. It's not as MMOs. <laughs> and um, in terms of comparison, comparison to World of Warcraft. It actually makes more money than World of Warcraft and has been making more money yearly for the last couple of years. So it's been out earning WoW. However, we have no official data on lifetime sales of WoW. Like all the box sales, all the subscriptions, there is no official word from Blizzard. However, an article in 2016 estimated that number to be uh, about 9.23 billion. So lifetime sales, DFO is very close to World of Warcraft. So it could conceivably pass it as well because it's been earning more money every year for the last few years. So give it another few years, DFO can easily pass it. And well, let's remember, yeah. uh, if mm -hmm. we did factor in all the toys, all the, all yes, the, of course. All the other merchandise, 
Star yeah. Wars is like it's way up there on a throne. No one's coming close to the the power of the Star Wars brand outside of those movies. Oh, you're gonna see DFO set. on a on a coffee mug anytime soon. Or a Lego set. Or a Lego Things set, exactly. As fuck. And yeah, remember these are light these are life to date box office gross sales. These don't include any of that third party stuff. This is just comparing the, the revenue from the game to the box office sales. However, you know, the number it's also a bit unfair for Dungeon Fighter Online because Star Wars has been around since what, 1977? Uh, yeah. yeah, I think so. So from 1977 up to, you know, all the new movies that are still coming out, you know, and DFO has only been around for a, a fourth of that time. So people, under, like one big franchise can completely carry a company and it's clear that for Nexon, the game that's completely carrying them is Dungeon Fighter Online. And it's mind blowing how big this game is. I, nobody in the West appreciates that. Like this is, this is a big dick game, right? You know what this means? Are we mm -hmm. gonna see a Nexon made produced uh, Dungeon Fighter movie? <laughs> it could happen. There's an anime already. Oh, is there? Yeah. There is. It has a very odd name too. Um... I'm gonna find it real quick because I, I, we have an article for all the MRPGs with animes. It should also be worth noting while they look that Nexon, you know, despite the litany of games they produce, most of the money still comes from either Dungeon Fighter Online, mostly, and also MapleStory, the original. So uh, they're still, um, they, they made a lot of games, they publish a lot of games, but they're, those, they're two bedrocks are still, you know, the ones generating cash for them. Yeah. That's yeah, nuts. By the way, the show is called, I'm not trying to say this right, Arid Senki Slap Up Party. That's the Dungeon Fighter Online anime. Why is it slap called up Slap Up Party? Party? I don't know. <laughs> There's also a Maple Story anime too. Looks uh, really, really cute. That I knew. That I knew. <laughs> uh, both the Maple Story anime and the DFO anime are not. They're not killer uh, shows. That's for sure. They, wow. They, they did not kill it in the ratings. They're minting money though, and that's all that counts for them. They are minting money in the game. So I, I feel like this interview, when he mentions the lifetime sales, it was it was totally a humble brag by the CEO. Like, why else would he randomly bring it up? <laughs> At least it's a humble brag. I can respect yeah. that. I can respect that too. I well, feel like they should brag. Doesn't <laughs> Nexon own Neopol? Yeah. So you... then that's just keeping them alive, right? That's why they're humble. Yeah, it's literally their lifeblood. Is that and um, uh, Maple Story? Hmm. Other interesting stat. There was a few interesting tidbits in this interview. Another one I found interesting was since their IPO, uh, which is when they went public, uh, Nexon, which I believe was back in 2011 or 12, one of those. Mm -hmm. He says the revenue from uh, Dungeon Fighter has doubled since then. So, so despite yeah. being released, you know, when you say to God knows when. 2003. 2003. 2003 just since 2012 uh, till now, the game has doubled in revenue. So this is not this is not something that's, you know, uh, shrinking in revenue, right? This is still increasing in revenue. It's getting bigger and bigger every year still. Mm -hmm. So I do think it will pass WoW. Uh, to, I guess at that point it'll be one of well, what is the largest grossing game of all time? This, you know, it might get there. It probably will. Mm -hmm. I mean, WoW for MMORPG, I think, is the highest at 9.23. But, I mean, at the, I mean, if you look at non-MMORPGs, it's actually pretty crazy. I mean, Minecraft is one of the best-selling games of all time. If you look on the Wikipedia list, they sold, what, 100 million copies about? Something like that. I'll find it. 100 million copies, right? And that's, again, mind-blowingly popular, Minecraft. But if you add up all the sales, it's like 20 bucks a pop, right? And the iOS version is only like $10. So if you, even if you assume every copy of Minecraft sold for full retail price at 20 even though it didn't, because you get the iOS and Android, you have what? Two billion dollars. Mm -hmm. That's nothing. Two billion versus DFO's eight point seven billion. 
So, and and that's that's like the best selling game. Even even if it was fifty dollars, it was like a full price game. Sixty dollars, hundred million is only six billion. So this is actually, if not the number one, like single game in the world. It, well, WoW was beating it for sure, but it's, it's in the top three for sure, which is mind blowing. So how much did Tetris cost? That sold five hundred million copies, didn't it? Tetris sold five hundred million copies. That's insane. Um, that's yeah. That could be more. Well, I don't think that systems list is complete there. Yeah, Tetris, Tetris is for everything, you know. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure yeah. they had Tetris for Etch Scratch, you know. I'm sure there's a Tetris mini game somewhere in DFO too, right? But it's it's complete for Minecraft. Why isn't it complete for Tetris? Come on, guys, what's going on here? <laughs> I mean, they have they have Raspberry Pi listed under Minecraft. Get on get on uh, a new level Wikipedia. Somebody quoted me saying two billion equal nothing, guys. Okay. I met two billion is nothing in comparison to Dungeon Fighter Online's eight point seven billion. You know, you make two billion dollars on a game, that's a it's a wild success, all right? It's huge. But think of all the like the cult like the cachet Minecraft has in like our society. Literally every kid plays Minecraft and everybody knows what it is. But nobody here like knows what Dungeon Fighter Online is outside of like the MMORPG community. <clears throat> and even people that know MMORPGs a lot of them don't know what DFO is because it's kind I'm of obscure. I'm pretty sure it's different in Korea and China. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Pretty sure it's more of a household name. So. Oh, I mean, definitely. I mean, if you go to, uh, so Minecraft was just launched in China recently, if I remember correctly. So it wasn't mm -hmm. like a household name there. It's kind of the same thing in reverse. Mm -hmm. Minecraft's still young. It has time. Yeah. Minecraft ain't gonna slow down anytime soon either. If they had microtransactions, they're going to make bank, all right? Not should have snuck those in right from the get-go. He would have made so much more, even though he's already rich, so it doesn't really matter. Any other good highlights for this interview, Rahan? Uh, well, they, you know, the Nexon guy uh, reiterated that his goal... See, here's, a, here's an issue. Um, because of the success of Dungeon Fighter and MapleStory, Nexon is sitting on $2 billion in cash, and they don't know mm -hmm. what to do with it. So their goal, or their plan, is to continue investing in other companies. Uh, and I think we covered last week that they bought a stake in IMC Games. Mm -hmm. uh, Tree of Savior uh, people. The Tree of Savior people. Uh, they bought a large stake in um, Boss Key Studios, which is behind the upcoming Lawbreakers, which the we have a closed beta date uh, coming up. And they want that, that's the plan. They want to continue uh, investing in other companies. Mm -hmm. Which, I don't know how I feel about that. I mean, if a game, you know, if a game company basically decided they can't, make it hit themselves anymore and they're just going to kind of throw their money around like imagine riot games you know, league of legends makes a lot of money right mm -hmm. probably you know, probably more than all of nexon whatever but yeah. uh you don't see them just being like okay we're going to just buy a stake of every other game company in the world right now because we don't know what to do with our money you know that, that that's not the thought process behind uh riot right or mm -hmm. blizzard you don't see blizzard saying well you know hearthstone's making all this money we're going to buy a piece of shadowverse we're going to buy a piece of uh, all these other games so i don't know if the, as a company strategy to me, it shows a lack of imagination on the part of Nexon, but that's, you know, a strategy thing. No, the problem is there's a culture, massive cultural difference in the games that are popular in East and West, and the perfect world realized this as well, and that's why they stopped launching their Chinese-developed games in America. It's because people, what works in China, what works in South Korea, doesn't clearly doesn't always work in America, which is even why we see stuff like Area Games telling Bless, like, we got to redevelop this game for a Western audience. I mean, Perfect World tried to get their games, which, by the way, are still pretty big in China. You know, J Dynasty and Perfect World is still very, you know, popular over there. But in America, nobody plays them. Very few people play them. So they realize their strategy for Western expansion has to be investments. They can't bring their own games here because it doesn't always work. I mean, that's why they, they're doing uh, Gigantic. You know, they invested in Motiga. 
they you know and they they bought the company that made natural selection so that i think that's the reason not necessarily because they like imagination because the the, the games that work in each market are completely different Right. I mean, a lot of these Chinese browse games don't necessarily work. But then again, you have stuff like Naruto Online, which is literally minting money. So I could be wrong. Who knows? I mean, we'll see. We'll have to see. I, I don't think it's a Western decision only, though, because they did, but they bought that stake in IMC. So mm -hmm. it's not. I don't think it's this this plan of trying to reinvest their Dungeon Fighter money is limited to the West. Mm -hmm. uh, but we'll see. Uh, what else? They did. Nexon also invested in a company making the Toys to Life, another Toys to Life company. What do you guys feel about that? I've never personally, I've never bought an Amoeba or whatever they're called. Amoebas? Um, ame what Skylanders, you mean? Skylanders, you amiibo. know. Amiibo. It's basically the, the whole shtick where you get the little figure for like 20 bucks and then you put it on your console and it comes alive in the game. Uh, I've never <laughs> interacted with that kind of stuff. Uh, it was big for a while with Skylanders. Disney had its own. Infi what was it called? Infinity something? Disney Infinity. Yeah, and then they stopped that. They canceled that. So, uh, I don't know. I, I feel like Nixon is catching the tail end of this. Is this fat? Of that hype. Yeah. Isn't, isn't, or isn't Activision Blizzard making a shit ton of the one they have? Or they, is Sky, do they own Skylanders? Skylanders? Yes, yes. They made Skylanders. I, they were making a shit ton, but honestly, I think it's kind of like Guitar Hero, where it's kind of going to go whoop down. <laughs> I, think we're, I think we're all too old for those, aren't we? Like, I feel like that's not really our time. The demographic is kids, yes. Yeah. yeah. But, I mean... I, 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 it seems kind of odd that they're chasing that that now after Disney already gave up on it too. Like it, it's too late to jump into that bandwagon. <laughs> Somebody should make uh, amiibo, amiibos. <laughs> they're just like giant cells. No, I have a, I have a great idea for Nexon to make money. All right, they should sell Maple Story plushies. I want to buy a goddamn orange mushroom. All right, and I, I buy the shit out of it. But I, I search Maple Story plushie on Google. There's no official source to buy it. Though I can buy one on AliExpress, but they look kind of uh, sketch. <laughs> These Chinese websites let you buy them. Actually, I think I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna buy this one right now. You showed it on stream. It looks pretty. Looks interesting. But I, I feel like a lot of these you know, iconic franchises, even League, like they're not doing their. They just I think League just started selling plushies. If I remember correctly. But they gotta monetize those plushies. All right. Oh, it says official. It, it, it's, made. it says official, guys. It's gotta be true. Oh, it, mu it must be official. All right. It's coming from China. It says official. It seems legit, bro. You buy the big one on the pedestal. Yeah, I'm gonna buy it. All right, hell yeah. I you know, I was just looking on eBay because I was curious because you're talking about plushies, mm -hmm. and you could buy Maple Story Mesos on eBay. I'm kind of surprised. I thought I thought there was a major crack that you couldn't sell in-game currencies. You can't unless eBay changed their policy again. Or weren't I used to no, sell gold yeah. on eBay? It's it's that they're listing it and they're hoping eBay doesn't catch it. If, if you, I guess uh, so. Yeah, it's it's one of those things. Wow, I mean, this guy sold a lot. Interesting. One billion mesos, guys, is worth six five dollars and fifty cents on the eBay market. All right. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, gotta monetize those plushies. I think. Uh, speaking, keeping up with the the trend of business, let's get the next business news uh, worth covering. I thought this was also quite interesting. Eve Online, uh, CCP, the company that makes Eve Online, just released some financial information. And their revenues from tw in 2016 are up 30% from $65 million to $86 million. And the most interesting part of that is EVE Online's daily active users have doubled in 2016. Well, <laughs> Anyone that says EVE Online is dead needs to get their eyes checked. All right? The game is booming. If your daily active users double, all right, your game is it's you, amazing. You know the big catalyst, right? It went free to play. 
Uh, or at least yeah. the basic tier uh, this year. Well, I but guess that's last a, that year. was that wasn't the main reason though, because that only happened in November. You know, if your average daily active users can't double if they make a change at the end of the year. The CEO actually cited the the fact that they added citadels and uh, controversial skill trading, where some people cried pay to win. But it's one of those situations where some people cried it was unfair, but it actually wasn't because nobody cared. You know. <laughs> what is that? How it works? I like uh, I like how you compared their game to Facebook, by the way. What do you mean? He said it's you can't make a sequel because you couldn't make a sequel to Facebook. Yeah, it's funny. As if Eve, the uh, video funny. game and Facebook, the social network, were somehow like a one-to-one comparison. Yeah, that makes no sense. I don't know why he said that. Is it Eve is like Facebook? It doesn't make sense to make Facebook too. No, Eve is Eve. Really? Why? It makes because they're both. They're both, um, they're, they're both, both communities that you're completely embedded in. So you like, say about any game. No, no, but here's the, th- about e- the thing that makes Eve different is the longevity of a player's character, right? Because, and maybe I'm just, maybe I'm just surface level pulling this out of my ass, but your I character in Eve is always growing forever. Yeah, there's Whereas no cap. RPG, you, you hit a max level, you get the gear, but your character in Eve is always growing and always has the potential to do something else. That's like true. you're never locked into a certain class. You, you can always experience uh the world and a different type of play style uh you can go in wormholes you can join a corporation and you have a, an established social network within eve 2 through your corporation to make but, an eve 2 would undermine all of those systems well a black desert online you can basically grind infinitely your character always gets stronger however slowly yeah but black desert online doesn't have as many systems in place that are community focused as eve online does eve online's entire world is about its community which is why i think it's fair to compare it to facebook it's a stretch. I mean, I, I see why he's doing it, but like, it, it, he's, he's saying it's a special snowflake, and that's why he can't apply. All I know is I kind of want to play Eve Online again. <laughs> How often does that feeling stir up in you, Gumby? When you when we talk about Eve, you just want to try it again. I do. The last time when I went to free to play, I did go back and I played for about two months, and I just did some wormhole jumping, and it was mm-hmm. I had fun. I, I love I love what Eve has going for it. I've never been completely immersed in it, but I've always liked Eve. What I like uh, is that... Go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, back to the whole double active users thing, I, I'd posit that it went up because of the announcement that it went free-to-play and not so much that it did go free-to-play. That and, helped. Um, a lot of people might have started preparing themselves for the free-to-play movement. Like The people that knew that they were going to pay anyways may mm-hmm. have started building up their caches and like training extra skills in the time leading up to the free-to-play release to prepare mm-hmm. for all the people coming in but i, I w- it would be i think you would be remiss to say that the free-to-play announcement had nothing on it like it did nothing it wasn't it wasn't the reason that the CEO in the interview I, I mean he mentioned that but they asked him like why is it doing so well he cited two things specifically he said the skill trading and he said the introduction of citadels where the were like I mean, not you know, that, that was what he cited as the reason for the growth. And I'm sure the free-to-play helped, too. I mean, people played because of that. The thing about the free-to-play is I think it did a great job bringing back players that already played yes. rather than attracting new ones, which is fine, you know. Yeah. And one thing I like, too, is uh, since they went, you know, uh, they, obviously yeah, there's a free version of Eve now, right? But the average revenue per user actually went up 20%. They added a free version, and now the average user is spending more money. That's Which is fun. crazy, yeah, isn't it? Like, even though you have all these people that are playing for free, because it's a subscription game, so your yeah. average your revenue is going up above the subscription. That's not. You would think it brings it down. So I think skill trading is one of the main drivers of that too, isn't it? 
I'd in say... order to take skills out, you, you had to pay money, didn't you? I forget how that system works. Yeah, you have to get skill. Um, yeah. There's an item you have to buy, and mm -hmm. uh, you also remember there's also the Plex market where mm -hmm. that's true. You can buy the item that counts as uh, 30 days. Eve is the perfect example of a game that could have made so much more money with microtransactions because you have a small but very dedicated user base of older mm -hmm. people, right? <clears throat> older men, you know, men usually. Um, they, I, I mean, think small is a well, small relative to like number. to like mobile. Uh, well, today in the online gaming market, whether when you have mobile and stuff, um, even a hundred thousand top ten on Steam. That's not small. I I think. It, I, I think it is. I'm comparing it to 25,000 people online right now. 25,000 people online right now, which is it's good, but it's not you know yeah. amazing. These guys it's not even top ten. The average player, and also remember, the community is in a bitch right about you know buy to play the, or or pay to win whatever. But the mm -hmm. thing is, these dedicated Eve players, I know they spend 18 hours a day playing Eve for years, right? Like it, it, mm -hmm. it is it is providing a lot of entertainment for that subscription fee. These guys should and could and would pay. A lot more to play Eve over the amount of enjoyment they got from it is worth a lot more than that ten fifteen dollars a month. Um, so it, it's a balancing act. You want to be able to you need to you need to squeeze them for what they're worth. And you can't go overboard. You got to get exactly what you can from them. So uh, I think a lot of Western companies have a lot more like uh, tame view of how much they can squeeze out of a user. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, again, somebody mentioned in the chat. Pretty much everyone I know in Bido has spent like thousand dollars, and I know people like. So many of my friends that play League, they spent like thousands. So, League is Western too, but I mean, there's, I feel a lot of Western companies and more PG companies especially don't want to squeeze too hard, but they can. I do agree. They could squeeze and get more money, but I think it's, it's, they're getting a lot of goodwill from their player base by keeping it pretty tame. I mean, how much money can you spend on Eve Gummy? You've played, you know, if, let's say money is no issue, right? You're in the game, you, you buy all the convenience stuff, all the microtransactions stuff. Like, how much can you possibly spend even? No, they have willing to like in Eve. In, in yeah. Infinite amount. yeah, they have cosmetics now in Eve. Um, everyone bitched about a thirty dollars monocle <clears throat> when it first came out. Seventy. Seventy, whatever. But people are buying it now, so <laughs> good for them. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, people were buying it then too. Yeah, but they're like, uh, you guys can bitch all you want. We've sold like so many thousand of these, and just shut <laughs> up. If you if you complain about if you one of those guys that's been playing a game like Eve. For you know, five years, six years, you know, like all day, you know, you're having a good time. You make friends. You you do all this rating stuff. Come on, and you're complaining about a cosmetic sale. Like, give the give the developers a break. You know, this isn't charity. That you know, they're not doing this for your benefit. They're doing it for Too their benefit. Too many people think they are. Too yeah. many people think like they're, they're owed something, right? Yeah. Which is why I I've, I honestly understand the perspective of developers a bit more now. As I'm older too, like, listen, I'm all I'm I'm against pay to win, and there's a limit to what they can do, right? But some pay to win stuff, like some minor stuff, right, that gives a small advantage. So many people, and especially on RMORPG, they hear that and it's like pay to win, hit play, pay to win, impossible, garbage game, stay away, awful. It's like, <laughs> You can't do that, you know. These companies have to make money, and you can't you can't just be like, oh, just do what this company does, and they got away with cosmetics. Yeah, if you're a giant game, you don't have to like nickel and dime for this small like pay to win advantage. If you're so big, you got the critical mass, you can get away with just cosmetics. But cut them a little bit of slack and don't instantly dismiss it, you know. Yep, makes sense. But Eve Online has about you know twenty five thousand, and it peaks at thirty seven thousand players on an average day. It looks like. So I mean, look, it's it's still a pretty big game, but it's not like, you know, it's not giant. It's probably the biggest game that you'll interact with people in in one server. Just think about it. You know, wow, there's all these players. 
whatever maple storage all these players but how many are on a single server that you can actually that's slash true. tell you know like slash pm like so mm-hmm. you know thirty five thousand in it's all in one server so that's that's worth keeping in mind you know it's not sharded out like uh, so many other games and i want to you know make a slight compare a slight pivot slash comparison you know let's say like with how big EVE Online is, I think we can all agree that EVE Online is a pretty massive success in MMOs, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's been running for so long. It made $86 million last year. I mean, that's that's a lot of money, right? It's easily, it's not in the top 10 of highest grossing MMOs, but if you look at just MMORPGs, it's probably on there because you know, our list on MMOs.com includes like Hearthstone, CSGO, Dota and stuff. But it, $86 million is nothing to laugh at. But I think uh, earlier this year or late last year, we had Lineage 2 Revolution launch in South Korea. And it's a mobile MMORPG, right? And it's got the Lineage franchise on it. And in two weeks' time, two weeks, the game made forty-one over $41 million in two weeks. And, it, wow. and it, concurrent users averaged out to about 500,000. And this is, I believe, in South Korea only. How the frick does one game that launches in two weeks make $41 million, and you have all of EVE Online, which we all agree is a substantial game, you know? You, know, you look at EVE, this is... It's a massive game. There's so much, all these systems with the, 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 the take control of territories, the corporations, the skill system. EVE is a, is a complex, massive game. And Lineage 2 Revolution is a much simpler mobile game with a lot less depth. But it's, you know, but it's on mobile. It's got the Lineage name, and it made $41 million. It is mind-blowing. It, it is. <sighs> and then... Uh... Speaking of Lineage 2 Revolution, since we're mm. on the subject, it was confirmed for a global release at GDC this past week. Uh, it was There were already rumblings about that, and people were pretty sure it was going to get a global release at some point, but they confirmed it. It's mm-hmm. happening at some point this year. I have a good stat about this game. Uh, from what I've read, based on the number of downloads, and I'm sure some of those downloads were people using like proxies or whatever, right? From outside yeah. Korea. But mm-hmm. if, if we just assume it's mostly Korea... Uh, they yeah. say about 10% of the Korean population, total population of South Korea, downloaded this game. That's nuts. How? How can they have that much, like, it's insane. Like, the cultural cachet of Lineage, because of, still because of Lineage 1, all those years ago, I think, um, really, really is sticky, I guess that's the best way I can put it. Mm-hmm. And look, the game looks actually quite good. I, I have a first look video on it, I oh, believe. Really? It, it may have been Red Knights, I'm not sure it was Revolution or Red Knights. I'm gonna check right now. Revolution. It was Revolution. All right. So it was this one you Red played? Knights you... was the League of Angels game. Yes, it was. It was this one then. <laughs> and look, it's open world, and it looks great visually. It still has that auto combat, which I know a lot of people hate, right? But I, 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 I can see that point now. You know what? All these mobile games have the auto combat. They're doing it for a reason, right? It can't be a bad idea at this point when every game is doing it. <laughs> so how was this game? You actually played it. I mean, I, I have. Oh not... no! It, it, it was. It was visually impressive it was fluid it looked nice the problem was after you know 15 minutes or so you look at the tutorial you look at your interface the game is telling you to click around like you're like, what is all these what are all these menus because it's in it's in korean and with mm-hmm. these mobile games you re- there are no english patches for these mobile games so you're always playing everything in korean and you don't know what's going on so it's hard to get into it because you don't know how the upgrading system works even like what some of the gear stats are so that can kind of you know it was really impressive in terms of fluidity open world gorgeous graphics potential is clearly there i mean that's why he made 41 million dollars in two weeks and i think you know th- it is coming to america it's coming to a global release in english so that's probably gonna be a better time to check it out and i'm gonna i'm gonna play i'm gonna give it a try give it a real world it looks <laughs> it looks a lot better than lineage 2 <laughs> from someone visually who, yeah graphically yeah yeah, yeah visually mm-hmm. 
But like, it goes back to the discussion we had before. Like, if you're an M, if you're a, if you want to make an MMORPG, right? Whether you're EA, whether you're Blizzard, no matter who you are, an indie studio, you would have to be out of your mind, batshit crazy, to think, oh, let's make a AAA client MMORPG, like a PC MMORPG. Like, we're not going to see another game like Elder Scrolls Online, right? El I think Elder Scrolls Online was probably the last hurrah of like high quality, great, you know, PC MMORPG. We're going to have indie games that come out that are trying to, you know, replicate a fun PC experience. Or, or fail to do so. Or fail, yeah. <laughs> They'll be we're not going to see. I, I don't think they're, they're not even going to try. We're not going to have a big budget PC Like, No company's going to approve that kind of spending on PC. When If you want to make a game like Elder Scrolls Online, it costs over $100 million. You know, all these mobile games don't cost nearly as much, and they make so much more money. You'd be crazy to do it. I think you wish that um, mm. most of these Korean mobile games would get on the trend of like having a PC client, though, because a lot of Chinese companies are doing the PC client for their mm -hmm. mobile games now, and I wish Korean games would do that too. I think we'll and see. We've a seen lot it of, works. We'll see a lot mm. of that. <clears throat> we'll see a lot of that because the, the 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 power, the horsepower of a mobile phone, a smartphone, is really catching up with PCs today. So I don't see a reason not to do a mobile, you know, a multi-platform and just allow people to play how they want. You know, they can grind mobs on their phone while they're on the shitter. They can do some PvP on the computer when they get home. Uh, I think that that'll be the way forward. I saw you made a correction too. Star Citizen, how about that one? Yeah, Star Citizen is over a hundred million dollar, you know, big budget game. I, you know, I, my previous statement still remains true because it wasn't really, you know, no big company approved it. It was just they raised that money themselves. You know, they did a great job on their crowdfunding campaigns. You know, and if it launches, yeah, that'll be. I think that one will be the last one if it launches as a persistent uh, world game. I've been waiting for you know some news on Star Citizen on release dates. It's always moving, so I don't know. It seems silly to talk about Star Citizen now because look, when it's playable, God bless, we'll talk about it. But again, it, there's nothing yet. It's I'm still waiting for the persistent universe. That's like the MMO part. That's the really cool part that brings it all together for me. That was that was the only thing I was hype about from the from the get go. You know, not like. The gorgeous graphics, the landing on the planets, that's all cool too. But having in a seamless, persistent universe and putting all the systems together was the real magic of the game. So until that happens, I don't really care too much about Star Citizen. I got a question for you guys about Star Citizen. Hmm. Which will happen first? Will Star Citizen enter full release? I'm not talking alpha, early access. Or will Elon Musk get, to, get us to Mars? Which one, which, one, <laughs> which one will happen first? Okay. Hmm. I think Elon Musk will get us to the moon first. To the moon. To the moon. Mars is still like, he, what, he says like in 2020 or something? Yeah. I, mean, I, I'm still convinced Chris Roberts will have burned that money by 2020. <laughs> Just burned right through it. He, he's got, it, it. from what I've heard, he's got the financial management skills of uh, Tim Schafer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying, uh, he said, uh, he's saying humans can live on Mars by 2060s. I'm, uh, that's all a bunch of bullshit to me, but... No, I'm not talking about living. Okay, will will Elon Musk send a human to the surface of Mars, or no, will Star no Citizen shit. come out first? Star Citizen will probably come out. Okay, that's one. No, but the key was full release. The key was full. full yeah, release. not early access, which which by the way can last years as we've as we've learned. And if it shuts down before full release, that, that doesn't count then. All right, mm -hmm. so uh, it's possible. It's possible that Musk might get us to Mars first. Musk will make everything in this trailer a reality before before the game comes out. <laughs> actually, actually, fun fact, guys. I know we actually get a lot of hate for this, but I'm going to say it anyway. If you look at our Star Citizen page on MMOs.com, I actually edited it a while ago. And I put an estimated release date on it. Let me see this. And I think it's, all the Star Citizen fans are going to skewer me for this. 
But by release date 2072 estimate. <laughs> you know why? I was so tired of updating that estimate release date, right? It was 2015 estimate release date when it was 2014, right? And then I changed it to 2016. And then I'm like, I'm, 2016 ended, so I go back and change it again. I'm like, fuck it. We'll change it to 2072 until it comes out. When it actually comes out, I'll put whatever they want, you know? But I, I was done changing that page, you know? The release date can't be moving around that often. <laughs> so it might as well be 2072. I like and it. I told, we gave them so many chances. They've missed so many release dates. They're like, I'm not going to keep updating our estimate, right? At this point, their estimate doesn't mean anything. So 2072, I think, is uh, pretty, 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 pretty solid for now. <laughs> I'm just waiting for the hate to flow in the comments. You know what's funny? They still mm. make about 60000 a day from crowdfunding. A day. That's like a full, doing something right. It's a full, it's a full annual you know, like wage for like a... You know, like a high-end worker, every single day, they're just getting that. Yep, yeah, this one on Flappy Bird. <laughs> <laughs> that is nuts. People are still, you know, people still believe the dream, and I, I really hope the dream comes true. Like, I don't want anyone to think that we're we're anti-star citizen. We're not. I just, my, I, I am, I am as Gumby says on on Reddit, allergic to hype. All right, I, I want to see it happen. Allergic to hype. Yep. I really hope it happens, but you know, too many times these release dates are moving targets, and you know, I really hope it happens. But I am not optimistic. I think I think Star. Can we say safely that Star Citizen has perfected the subscription model? Because this game has a subscription right now, and there's no game. So the That's, the beauty of this model is you you have a subscription for something that doesn't exist. It's literally a Patreon subscription. Like just support us. No, no, a Patreon subscription gets you something. You're supporting a creator or or some kind of cause. It, things are happening on the other end. You know. There's nothing. There's no yeah, product. That's here. what the idea of this is too. For this long? No, but they had their campaign. Well, it's a, but it's they a had game. their. A... Look, they had their campaign. They raised the money they asked for. So, what are you? What are you subscribing to now? I mean, I, I there are a David, bunch of yeah. kickstarted games that simply do kickstarters and then go on Patreon anyways. My God. But the, uh, again, the, I think the, I agree with you. They they've perfected the subscription model. They're, people are paying monthly for Star Citizen for a game that's not out yet. Alright? So they're doing it. So if you if you're if you happen to run a MMORPG that's still the subscription model, uh, the trick is to just close your game down, fire your staff, and just keep collecting that subscription. Because <laughs> it works for Star yeah. Citizen. And then just say you're redeveloping it with all these amazing features that you know you can't do, alright? That, that's the trick, alright? We're gonna make this better, we're gonna make this better. Action combat, open world like Rust, uh, customizable buildings. Processing. There you go. Get some machine learning algorithms, alright? Throw all the buzzwords in there. We'll be on the cloud. All right, and then just keep collecting that beautiful, beautiful subscription money. Beautiful. Well, speaking <laughs> of crowdfunded games, there is one, guys. There is one crowdfunded game which is happening. All right, that the LBN Online is going to launch on July 11th, I believe. Wow. 17th. So, 17th. So that's you know we can play that when it comes out. So, and that's the first big Western crowdfunded MRPG which is going to launch. And I, I was actually always optimistic about that one in that it was going to happen. Because throughout the you know, throughout the process, we first played it over a year ago, and it was playable. There was something there. It was making progress. You know, they they shuffled their business model around, but it was always like delivering. You know, you, you may not agree with the, what they deliver with their systems, but they had something there. So that one's been progressing quite nicely. You don't only played Albion Online. Do you guys remember? I do remember. Uh, I don't remember when we did it, but I remember playing. I think it was the summer, wasn't it? We hmm. were playing it in 2015. Late 2015. No. Yes, I'm watching a video that Gumble you put up, 
Okay. I did. Yes, it's called yeah November 2015. Uh, we play we streamed Albion online. Wow. You know who knew? Where does the time go? <laughs> well, hopefully you know we'll see we'll see where they ended up uh, this year later this year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll hope Star Citizen does happen though. We'll hope it happens. It's been development. Star Citizen has been development forever now too. And this goes back to our previous conversation we've had about development times. Like, oh, Ooh, I got a good it... one for this. Take it. All right. So speaking of development times, I thought Omer would be amused by the fact that Robocraft just now entered beta. It's yep. been in early access for three years, and it's just now in beta. Nice. I, these All these companies are using the terms early access like in such a silly way. Look, I played Robocraft. The game, it's silly to call it early access. I get it. It's not fully done yet, right? But it, it becomes a point where early access is just a tag to be like, oh, you know, you can't criticize us just yet. We're still in early access. No, the game, I don't know. It's it's silly. And and oftentimes they go from early access to like alpha to beta to this. Like As far as this, you know, it's nuts. It's never going to come out. It's still in beta, all right? <laughs> early access to beta. I like how uh, all these people are saying in chat that it's dead. It's got... Three thousand players right now. The peak was six thousand. It's boom. It's not dead, the guys. Average, the average gain for players is going up. Mm-hmm. Like players are going up. Well, if you go, if you're going down, you know, since you know, if you, it was eight, it was averaging eight thousand, seven thousand. But like now that they went into uh, you know beta, we'll see if the numbers improve. You know what Robocraft looks like? A better version of that of that spaceship game we played. Are you building oh, yeah? a spaceship? Different. It's on ground. Well, it's yeah. Yeah, it's a little different. But it seems like it's funny. Same I don't think. Can any of us remember the name of the game we played? Let's think. Oh, I'm, I already know, so I'll just let you guys. Uh, I, really, I, I yeah. forget. Honestly, I genuinely forget. I honestly, I remember what it was about, like what we were playing, the map, kind of. But the yeah, name. Please enlighten us. The name. All right, it's Galactic Junk League. Oh, Galactic yeah. Junk League. Yeah. I gotta you know, say, you know what game? Yeah. I, I haven't, I haven't played Robocraft, but I'm watching this video, and it looks like a, just a better version of that game. Anyone in chat hasn't played it? Robocraft is a great uh, voxel builder where you build your tanks and they make little voxel cubes, and I enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, if you watch, what was that show where they have robots kill each other? Um, battle, BattleBots. You like BattleBots? You like Robocraft? Okay, I got, I got yeah. one. I got one. This is also on the same vein. I'm always talking about, um, mm. about. Development time. Release dates, yeah. You know, people often say, well, you know, it takes a long time to make games. You know, you gotta... I gotta find this video now. Okay, so Omar and I, last Sunday, it was just the two of us, we played some sick uh, game called Player Unknown's Battlegrounds. And what is Player Unknown's Battlegrounds? Do you, do you have a video up for so... this, Omar? Or... Uh, no. I'll look at Twitch one for it, though, right now. But uh, okay. Player Unknown's Battlegrounds is a battle royale game. If you played H1Z1's King of the Kill, you played the armor mods. Uh, both of those were worked on by the guy that made uh, made this game. So, player, Mr. Player Unknown. Designed. Okay, anyway. Designed. Right. Yeah. So, this this is a whole uh, spiel with, you know, last man standing or last two, you know, team of two standing. So, mm-hmm. when I played this, uh, it's currently in closed beta, coming out pretty soon. And I read, actually, the, the development uh, diary. I uh, went back and read the old development diaries for this game. I, it was really interesting. Um, the way it worked is in, in February of 2016, uh, beginning of 2016, the guy, player unknown, got a call from uh, Dr. something something Korean name from Blue Hole from Seoul. And he said, listen, 
uh, we want to make a you know a battle royale style game. You're the guy. You know you made the first armor mod for it. You made you know you helped SOE with the H1Z1. Uh, come to Seoul. Let's talk. So the guy flew to Seoul, and by the end of March 2016, uh, he agreed to help them make the game. He moved to Seoul. So end of 2016, uh, March 2016, end of March 2016, they started. There was a handshake, and now, uh, only a year later, 12 months later, we got a closed beta that that felt pretty complete to me with a mm -hmm. with an early access scheduled for uh, spring, which is a month or two. That is a great turnaround, from from a handshake, from a phone call to a playable closed beta. In, in 12 months. That is impressive. That shows me every time somebody says, you know, like, oh, it takes so long to make games. Look, yes, there is a development cycle for these games, but it doesn't necessarily take that long. When a game takes like 10 years to develop or like eight years to develop, it's because they're kind of shuffling ideas. They're not committed to release dates. They're kind of just, you know, there, there is no urgency, all right? There's no way if you're working, you know, nonstop to get a game out, it takes 10 years. And seeing a game like, Player Unknowns, you know, Battlegrounds is a fun game. Uh, thousands of people were playing the beta to go from a handshake to a playable game in less than a year. And they had alpha, I think, what, even like three, four months before that. So mm -hmm. they went from a handshake to a playable alpha in like months, which is nuts. I Can mean, I, we have, yeah. I, 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 I'm going to defend other companies here. I think I just want to point out, you know, this guy has made basically the same game, what, four times? Three times. <laughs> yeah, so he designed it, like yeah. He yeah. knows exactly what his game is. His vision is, is laid out, and I think a lot of studios, That's true. their vision changes as the development cycle goes on, and they realize they want to do this and not this. But mm -hmm. I saw some of your stream, and that is just straight-up King of the Hill stylized gameplay. King of the Kill, this, yeah. I've seen this uh, ten times already, um, and while I'm sure this guy, you know, who's been designing has done a great job, it just looks like the same thing. So it's not like he invented a new genre. Uh, oh, yeah. At least, at least, at least not with this yeah, game. Yeah, yeah. He's not reinventing the genre. He's, he's perpetuating what he's already created. Yeah. So that's why you see it's such a quick turnaround, I'd say. Is there practically no recoil? I was watching the trailer. And it looked like there was practically no recoil. There is. There is. There is, yeah. That was an alpha trailer versus what we're playing now, which is we did a few days ago. Okay. I just mm -hmm. Games where they don't have a recoil drive me mad. Like hmm. there, there's no feel to it. Well, you you know? like, you're saying you don't like Kaboom? No, they're Kaboom definitely is a quality game. They're definitely it, from oh, what yeah, I. Kaboom, the the there is a recoil of some sort because I remember trying to shoot people and if if you mm. panic and you you know you hold it down too long you just miss everything you know so I did I did suffer from this so there is definitely recoil of some sort. But Sorry, it, speaking yeah, I was gonna go into more detail about the game but you can go ahead. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, so this is built on Unreal Four, uh, mm -hmm. it's. Very surprising to me that it was a Korean studio, which we, you know, Bluehole, by the way, are the guys that made Terra, which is a pretty, mm -hmm. still pretty big game. Uh, they're the ones who brought us this Battle Royale game, which I found surprising and interesting. That's all. Why did you find it so surprising? I, doesn't if you looked at this, you wouldn't think it's it's a it's an Asian game, you know? Yeah. You know that? Remember that random sh the lolly shooter we played a few weeks ago? Like that's what I think of when I think of a of an oh, Asian yeah. shooter. You know, like this doesn't. It just feels more like a Western game to me, which, but it works. It also has the blandest art style of any game I've ever seen. I, All right, well, yeah. Another point, you, you would think it'd be more stylized as, a, as, an, as an Asian game. Yo, player I know knows his shit, all right? He did the armor mod, he worked on King of the Kill, let him do his thing, all right? People will like it. Our queues were instant, 100 player games. They go for 250 eventually and hopefully more later. But, you know, the guy, the guy, the guy knows his shit, all right? Oh yeah, that's but, a good point. The hundred so currently there's a hundred players per map, and it just works. 
It doesn't yeah. crash and you know, like like with twenty people like. Oh, you're telling me they can have a hundred people on one server, and they don't yes. have to limit the number of people playing? <laughs> yeah, they 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 manage that, you know. Oh that brings us to Conan Exiles, which is actually really worth mentioning because I remember we played Conan Exiles. You couldn't have more than like twenty five players on a server at launch, otherwise it was unbearably laggy. I think Aaron said, "Look, the guys at Funcom should just called up the guy who worked the chief network engineer at Arc, or the guy at uh the guy Not at Arc." No. <laughs> And just be like, listen, I'll, I'll pay you double your salary. Get over here, you know? And this is what they did. Look, Terra, they just called them out of the blue and be like, listen, we want to make a game. Come work for us. They took the initiative, right? Yeah. And when you do shit like that, you know, you, you, you get shit done. And to get a point, and, it, it yeah. brings up what uh, Gumball said. You know, this is the guy who made this game three times already, right? So when mm -hmm. Bluehole decided they want to make this game, they said, look, let's not reinvent the language here. Let's just call the guy who can whip this up, in the, you know, in, in, <laughs> in, in, you know, the guy who can just do it on a blackboard and just, you know. Whip it up. Let's call him. Let's get him here instead of trying to relearn everything over five years like every other dumb studio. And guess what? It worked. This game is going to be huge. It was huge on Steam. Uh, I think mm. when it comes out on Steam, it's going to you know rock right up there in top 10 easily. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I wonder if it will hurt uh, H1Z1 uh, at all because, you know, the guy has a reputation and whatnot. Also, you know, talk about games with long release schedules, all right? Fortnite. Remember we talked about that game ages ago. It was announced yes. back in 2011, and it's still not out yet. It's 2017, and they're expecting an open beta uh, this year. But we see so many games with these absurd I, uh, release schedules. I just played that the other day. How was it, Matt? I can't talk about that. Uh, Matt, Matt, nod Embargo. if you liked it. Wink if if you thought it was great. And talk to me in Morse code with your blinking, all right? Shh. <laughs> But, yeah, we, we've seen so many of these games take forever. Even a lot of these Kickstarter projects are taking forever to make. And it does prove you can get shit done if you have focus. Again, how long did it take to make Dark Age of Camelot, Arhan? Uh, like 16 months or something. They made Dark Age of Camelot uh, in 16 months with a budget of, like, a couple million dollars. Yeah. You know? So it, we're not past the point where games have to take forever to make. They just they can, you know? They can take forever, if, but you can still get shit done quickly. If you know what you're doing and you have a you know focus and a release schedule you want to meet. The, the interesting thing is the guy who called um, Player Unknown was the production manager, uh, which is I guess some way of saying the business guy, right? Mm -hmm. And that's so important. I think a lot of these studios today uh, what happen when like the top creative guy leaves an existing studio like EA or something. He's like, I don't, I want to do it myself. You guys suck. And he mm -hmm. he kind of makes his own game. But the problem is the creative guy is not the guy who's gonna ship the product. He doesn't know how. Mm -hmm. If you leave it to him, he's gonna he's gonna be drawing on his walls for like 18 years. He's never gonna ship anything. So, the importance of the business side is it should not mm -hmm. be understated. You know, you need people prodding. You know, we always get oh well, games get pushed out too early. You know, it's not ready yet. It's never ready if you leave it to the artist. You know, you gotta you gotta get it out there, and you need a good production guy to get it out there. That's fair. Guys, Final Fantasy Versus 13 was first unveiled in 2006. All right, they dicked around for 10 years and they finally got it out. All right. For Final Fantasy 15, <laughs> so you can't, you know, it's it's amazing if you look at the old screenshots for uh, Final Fantasy 15 when it was called Versus 13. Like, it's changed so much, and it's because they clearly left to the the designers and the artists and not the business people to push it out. Yeah, it might not be perfect, but you gotta get it out there. Good quote by Canaris: "Art is never completed, only abandoned." I mean, true. Aww. And again, it's not. I'm not saying the artists are wrong, you know, but they're just two different goals, you know. The artist mm -hmm. always wants to keep working on, the, you know, or keep, you know, 
updating it or whatever. But some, somewhere along the line, is this is a for-profit industry. They got to, you know, make money. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I'm looking forward to playing at launch. I think I was going to play it last night again, but for now, Player Unknown's Battlegrounds is coming back on the 10th for another closed beta. I'll probably stream some more of that later. Quite a bit of fun, though. You know what surprised me about this game? I had fun. It's been a long time, and especially this genre, the survival genre. We've played Conan Exiles. It's not the same. The Calling. Yeah. Well, it's, it's like The Calling. Yes. Okay, this was way more fun for me than The Calling. I'm kind of shocked to hear you say that. I just didn't expect, I just didn't see uh, Altai here as the King of the Kill kind of guy. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not the King of the Kill guy, but, you know, I like this. What can I say? Good. All right, so uh, I also just wanted to. There's a lot of Black Desert news, mm -hmm. so I'm just gonna drop this for Altai to get the video for, and I'm just. Gonna oh, the, go over the, that one looks cool. The new graphics. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so Silicon Studio, who is the developer of Yebis, which is some sort of like graphics engine that does post-processing effects, at GDC they put out a trailer that showed us our first look at like Black Desert's new graphics upgrades which apparently are exclusively post-processing and graphics effects rather than the actual graphics um maybe they'll touch up the graphics but it's not looking like they will right now mm -hmm. um i'm kind of back and forth on this because sometimes this looks cool and i mean it in in one way the depth of the field is nice i mean it looks very like realistic but it's so overpowering i don't know if i'd have that on if i played ever like when you watch this video you'll see it um and there there were a few times i actually had to look and see which one was on and off because i honestly thought that the off was on and the on was off um like right there with the the dark night at the beginning it's just so much blurrier because of all the effects but when when you see the berserkers awakening gear and it has the shine on it that looks pretty cool but anyways so while this is going um Black Desert, also, they put out an infographic that's just insane. Like, yeah. this infographic has literally a ton of info about player, like, activity. And what I thought was crazy, there were 100,000 people at the beginning, right, that were playing every day. It was like 100,000 on average, concurrent. And it comes out now that there are 3.4 million characters created. I mean, if we take into account that the average player probably makes like one or two characters, that's that's at least a million people. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, it, it's crazy to think that there have been that many. And, and also, because yeah, cause the game's graphics are gorgeous, right? And typically, these high-end, demanding games, they, they can't appeal to mass audiences the way like medium-quality games do. So even despite that, the game is huge. I, I also thought it was amusing that they included the gender count, the percentages, because <laughs> most of their characters are female-forced, and the female and male classes are actually slightly different, and people actually recommend Ninja over Kunoichi, for example. So mm -hmm. it's it's amusing that they did that. And let's do a quick map here. So, so we have just 90,000 divided by... Um, on average, about 4% of people made it to, uh... That's still pretty good. There's a lot of people that made it there. Yeah, 4%, so... 
That's pretty crazy. And also, they're counting all those free trial users too. You know, the guy who tries free trial just checks out the game. You know, isn't gonna isn't gonna make it there most likely. But it's still quite good the number of people that made it that high level. Yeah, fifty six four percent of people. Somebody asked how much BDO costs to make. Uh, there's nothing official on that just yet, <laughs> so we can't really find it. However, it you know, we know it costs less than sixty one million. Yes, because. Uh, the guys that made uh, Kingdom of the Fire 2 said they are the most expensive Korean MMORPGs ever made at $61 million. Or was it 71? It was either 61 or 71. I think it was 60, 61 or 71. I'm pretty sure it's 61. <laughs> but yeah, unless they come out with news saying it, we can't even begin to guess how much it costs to make Black Desert. But, you know, typically a lot of these Korean games are cheaper to make and the development costs are lower in Asia. American developers uh, demand that high salary. I want to talk about Black the Desert. These graphics mm. for a second, uh, it really is hit or miss for me. Like some befores are better than afters, and then some afters yeah. are better than yep. befores. Uh, a lot of the armor looks beautiful after, but a lot of the backgrounds and stuff just look just blurrier. That's because it's depth of field. Mm. It's supposed to make it like realistic, where you're when you focus on something, the stuff in the background blurs out. Yep. Very I still say black as it goes free to play, guys. Wow. It's gonna happen. <laughs> I'm st- I, I think, I, I think since it's launched. I know. Uh, I think my bet runs out. I think. I think I'm almost out of time. You are almost out of time. I said uh, we have remember December, January, February. Actually, I think. I think I am out of time. I, I think I have till the 29th of this month. And I have. Uh, apparently, we're betting a red lobster dinner on this. I'm not sure who I'm betting with, but we have a red lobster dinner on steak for. Is it real? We really did. Yeah, it's on there. It says you know, Omer says video free to play in four months from November 29th, 2016. So we're gonna get those breadsticks, is what you're saying? Yeah, all right. I have to, I have to pay for everyone's red lobster dinner if I'm wrong. Apparently. Red lobster, but okay, I'll do. If you put <laughs> it, make fine. sure that you really pay for it. You also have to fly us out to eat it. With wow! You. All right. <laughs> this, this is getting expensive now. All right, video, please go free to play the next three weeks. I'm, I'm hoping. I'm hoping. <laughs> but uh, speaking of silly fun things, I actually. If you guys remember last week, I said I would contact a bunch of like dead MMORPG companies to try and license their old dead games. I want to make MMOs. I want to make a necromancer of old dead games. A few people suggested I contact the guys that made um, Secret of the Solstice. Unfortunately, that company is long dissolved. Uh, typically, when a lot of these games shut down, the company that owns the games and develops the games also go out of business. So it's very hard to contact them. I couldn't find anyone, any email, any phone number to call to reach out to them. Because I was going to offer money to, to get the license for their game and the server code just to relaunch it for fun. And I think it'd be really cool to be able to relaunch an old dead game that has no private server and nothing. And if it costs like less than a thousand bucks, if the game is dead, I figure it might be doable. I actually they didn't resp- I, I couldn't find them. I, re- I actually sent an email and respond- I sent that uh, contact to the guys at Handbitsoft. They're the guys that do uh, their own T3 fun. They publish a whole bunch of games right now, actually. And they have a bunch of mobile games, too, and they're actually pretty big. I tried to get them to Give me Neo Steam. The game's been shut down for a while anyway, but they didn't re- they didn't respond just yet, so that's unfortunate. I'm gonna try out calling them. I, I-, I reached them on their North American website, which I'm I- I'm assuming they don't even check those emails. So I gotta reach out to the Korean office around to get a- uh, probably an answer back. I also reached out to the guys that made Trium Wars just because like I want a game. Like I, I want to see what it's like to just launch one of these games. Trium Wars was absolute duke, but they didn't respond to me either, even though I messaged them on Facebook and I sent them a message on Steam and I sent them an email. Like. I tried three ways of reaching out to this guy, and the game only shut down, what, like six months ago? And they still didn't get me back. They didn't get back to me. 
But I do think it'd be really cool to have uh, some MMOs, like some actual games available on MMOs.com that we publish and that we actually run the service for, for games that are long dead. Because so I, I can't GM imagine costs a lot of money. Yeah, of course. We can sell GM power. We can sell admin abuse. We'll sell everything, right? But, like, you know, freaking the guys at Suba Games and Red Fox Games are experts at resurrecting old dead games. I figure we might as well throw a hat into the ring, too. I'm willing to spend a thousand bucks for Secret of the Solstice, all right? Get me in, coach. I'll pay a thousand. If, if you're if you're working on that game and you're listening to this podcast in Korea, reach out to me and just copy and paste the <laughs> server code. I'll, I'll PayPal you a thousand bucks, all right? It doesn't have to be official. Make it happen. You know what would be I better? I want to find out now that the guy is actually watching the podcast. You never know. I feel like... It's true. I feel like if you're going to run a Secret of the Solstice, you know what's better and free? What? A private RO server. It's like... Well, Secret, yes, it's... Secret of the Solstice was just a knockoff RO. Yeah, I agree. But the cool thing is it would be the only ones that yeah, have it, you know? That's true. And look, Secret of the Solstice had great music too, right? It didn't mm -hmm. have Ragnar tier music, but it had solid music. You know what I think we should do? I, I'm, I'm going to set up a page on uh, MMOs.com like, in, in a hidden corner called like licensing, all right? That way they always search as like license game, like license and more PG America or West. Like the Korean companies are Googling that, right? Like some indie companies. They'll find MMOs.com slash licensing. And then I'll have like an email over there to contact I, me about licensing their game. I feel, I feel like you got to Google Translate it to Korean, Chinese. Yes, I'll, I'll do that too. Okay. I'll, I'll, have a Korean, I'll have a Chinese and Korean uh, text word <laughs> as well. We want all the shitty games. Like, I don't care how shitty your game is, send it to us, all right? I'll give you a cash offer. We'll, we'll be the pawn shop of shitty MMOs, right? They'll bring us, like... Fairy Tale Busters, since nobody was playing that. that dude, I, I would love to have that game. The game looks awesome. The shooter. But the game is still... They, the problem is you can't, we can't go after games that are, that are still around or are too new. Because they'll, they'll want too much money, you know? I'm, I'm nobody, not willing to play. There's nobody playing it, though. I know, but, like... The, the developer has to realize their game is shit and it's not going to succeed. Once they reach that level of realization, we can lowball them and get it, you know? I know what we do. We give them terrible reviews and we go after their game, right? And then we buy it. Then we offer the buy. And then we, then we change the review. That's journalism right there. <laughs> All your shitty games are belong to us. <laughs> but it'd be really cool if we can do that. And just have a whole bunch of games there, and we'll see. If, you know, I'm willing to pay up to a thousand bucks for. Uh, remember, I'm only paying for dead games, so a thousand bucks I think is is within the realm of reason. You know, just copy and paste all that <laughs> server code, give it to me, up, send the money, bada bing, bada boom, done. All right. I mean, there are a but, lot of uh, again, bad games here. Oh, you uh, should you should you should show that you know that uh, your your notes on Google for all the all the dead games. It's remarkable how many MMORPGs are dead. Uh, all, right, let me... uh, all right, to uh, switch off of that uh, conversation, I, the Switch did come out on Friday, and oh. it's the only one that has it. I would like to talk about it what a little a bit. Pun. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, so... Um, Take it. And anything's better than the press conference, let's be honest. Let's switch. That was hilarious the first me. three times. After that, it was cringe, all right? I thought it was hilarious the first three times. But anyways, so I, I got my Switch, and I am never buying from GameStop ever again because it was packaged in this thin-ass box with one little, like, you know those kind of, like, plasticky things that have the air in them that are supposed yeah. to pack it? One strip of that held the entire thing, and it was not packed well, and they were all shaking around when I picked it up, and I'm just sitting like, what the 
<laughs> but anyways, um, it's been interesting. So, uh, it actually, I played it during our meeting yesterday and I was sitting there on like the handheld part of it. And I thought I was going to mind playing on something that's smaller than my tablet that I didn't expect to be playing on something smaller than my tablet. And it wasn't like a 3DS where it's designed to be a handheld or something. So I thought I was really going to mind it. But I sat there for like two or three hours playing Legend of Zelda as we're having the meeting. And um, I was fine with it. I mean, I just didn't even think about it after a while. It's it's good enough. It's not great, but it's good enough. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And actually, it's concerning to me that it's easier to play i think as like a handheld because the the dock that it comes with is the cheapest piece of crap i have ever seen like <laughs> it, they skimped out on the dock so much but um yeah i've been enjoying it um i don't like the controller much when you put it together the you know how it has the dock that they just showed in the video where you slide the two Joy-Cons mm -hmm. into? It reminds me of an Ouya controller, except the back isn't rounded. It's solid on the back. It's a flat surface, so my fingers don't sit on it right, and it's very uncomfortable for me. And um, I'm not really right. a fan of that, but other than that, it's been all right. Um, I have a question for you, a, a, yeah. a dire question. I'm sure the entire audience wants to know. Matt, how do the Switch cartridges taste? <laughs> I did not taste them. I've read yeah, about I think this. I, I think I think you should I think you should do the entire podcast a solid and give us a live test. This is a I, real thing, by the way. Everyone, yeah. so many people have tasted it. Apparently, I I think that was because they're small and they want to keep keep them out of the uh, mouths of children. No, but they put something yeah. on it specifically, yeah, for it to taste bad. Yeah, lick to keep them out yeah, of the yeah, mouths yeah. of children. All right, all who wants Matt to lick it, raise their hands. He's not gonna do it. What? Why would I though? Oh my I, god! I would do it. I would do it too, just for the. I'm curious. What, you know what would be worrisome? I'll, I'll be back. Oh yes, uh, yes! <laughs> yes, he's doing it. Uh, what have you, you tried? You're pleasing the audience. Good. Do it for the love of the audience. Oh, everyone's saying do it now. Dance. I love it. <laughs> Matt, you're you're <laughs> beautiful. <laughs> we'll get a. We'll get a Matt Licking audience live on the MLS.com podcast. This is why you got to watch us live. You get you get the good shit right away. <laughs> I didn't think this was a real... I, I saw people tweeting about it, but I didn't think, like... It, it, they put something on it, apparently, that makes it taste awful. I wonder. I really want to know what it tastes like, Noel. All right. So, uh, here here's the Switch. So, it's there. It exists. Thing. All right. I'm full screening my own stream now. The stream now so I can watch. I am also full screening. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna full yeah, screen I'm gonna full go. screen him. All full screen and revel in this. I'm gonna look Zelda. Right. That's a good one. That that won't taste better. <laughs> Holy fuck! <laughs> 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 ah, what is it? What does it oh taste my like? God, it, it tastes like I just put like the worst soap in my mouth. Oh. oh. <laughs> Is it really that power? They, they put something on there, right? It's to make it extra powerful. Yeah, it tastes like fucking like laundry detergent smells. <laughs> <laughs> it tastes like Link's balls, right? <laughs> oh all right. God. After all, after running across those fields, right, without the horse. Dude, Link right? doesn't bathe, does he? No, he doesn't. I have right. no idea, like what the fuck that taste is. Real talk, real talk. I want to get a switch now so I can taste the cartridges. Well, <laughs> I feel like I gotta... That's why. 
I, I gotta know. I gotta know now. I'm genuinely curious. It's it's when curiosity just takes over and you just have to know. Like, I, I will say wrong. though, I will say hmm. though that the battery life is pretty bad. It, it only lasted <laughs> like three hours playing Legend of Zelda. <laughs> oh, wow. I think it's. I don't think it's meant to be a handheld. I. I mean, like, it. It doubles as a handheld, right? So they can. Uh, they can market it that way. It became a marketing gimmick. Mm -hmm. But ultimately, I think it's an evolution of what they were trying to do with the <laughs> Wii U, where um, you you can turn off the TV and you can still play the games on the mm. tablet thing that the mm -hmm. Wii U came with. I think it's supposed to be more like that. So you can just you put. You take it out of the console while someone else is doing something, like out of the dock, and play it on the handheld part, and then you put it back when they're done with it. I think that's what it was meant to be. You know what I mean? But they marketed it as a handheld because they can. Interesting. The fact that the battery life sucks is going to be a big issue then. Yeah. Can you carry around those battery packs that they, they, they have the, for the phones, the, phone, the charge banks, whatever they're called? I don't know. Also, my tongue is going numb. <laughs> Rest in peace, Matt. You got poisoned by the, by, by the Switch uh, cartridges. And then also, real quick, um, I just wanted to mention, Zelda is very good. I have not liked like a single Zelda game other than it's been all right. You know what I mean? I don't hate them. They've just kind of been all right. But <laughs> I haven't like really liked a Zelda game since Wind Waker. And I've, I literally played it for six hours straight yesterday. Wow. Got up today, did news, and then played it for another four hours. I mean, it it's probably the best example of an open world game that I've ever seen. Um, I haven't played enough of Horizon Zero Dawn to compare it to that, but it's already beat out The Witcher 3 for me. So um, The Witcher 3 was my previous, like, top game. Not of all time, but, like, top game of, like, the open world genre. And um, it's not a genre. I, I've been saying it's not a genre, but of the open world like subsection mm -hmm. that people were categorizing, I put Witcher 3 at the top. But um, I'm not going to talk about it very much because <laughs> one of the best parts of Legend of Zelda, the new one, I think, is the sense of discovery. I mean, it's, it's insane how many little things you can discover. And I think my favorite part of it so far is that whenever you think, I wonder if this is going to work how i think it's gonna work it mm -hmm. works like that it always works like that. wow just the fact that everything works exactly how you expect it to work it's just i mean it, it's such a great feeling in a game and i mean it has some frame rate issues it's it's not the paragon of perfect optimization that um nintendo has had in the past with games like mario kart 8 and all those wii u exclusives that they had but it is still very, very fun. Mm -hmm. I uh, do want to play it. I do. Uh, no, it's, uh... I, I've always liked the games, so... And I love exploration. I'm the explorer guy. It's probably why I, I fucking want to kill myself playing those survival games. They're like exploring. <laughs> and they're always a letdown, so... And, uh, I have faith in Nintendo. Alright, so, Omer, I know you love um, draw distances, mm -hmm. so I'm going to drop an image podcast i love draw this look in the background like you can see all the trees dotting the landscape and you can mm -hmm. see in the way in the back in the center you can see towers miles away wow i like it it looks awesome and i mean look at that atmosphere like the dust kicking up and the clouds and everything it's like mordor in summer yeah right it looks like mordor <laughs>
Yo, I've heard amazing things. The the the, review, the critic reviews are through the roof. It's the highest rated video game of all time on game rankings aggregate of all professional critic reviews. So Nintendo now has Zelda Ocarina of Time at number three and Breath of the Wild at number one. Well, they have the whole so, they have the top, they have the top four. And then yeah, Super Mario <laughs> Galaxy is number number two on their list. Will Super Mario Odyssey, whenever that comes out, um, also make the top of the list? I wonder. And uh, yeah, but it's it's definitely very good. And I had there's only one issue I've had with it so far, and that's I couldn't figure out why my aim was shaking when I was using like bows and stuff, and I thought maybe it was just like. You know how some games have the like little wobble of holding a bow or something? It turns out you can aim with the motion controls for fine aiming. And mm-hmm. you do rough aiming with the joystick. And I, it took me like literally hours to figure out that that's what was going on. Because I didn't expect it. You know what I mean? You don't expect mm-hmm. to go into a Zelda game and be aiming with the motion controls. <laughs> I have one more question and then I guess we're done. How does yeah. it look on a TV uh, compared to the screen? Uh, uh, the screen has a little bit of more of a jagged look to it, like mm-hmm. barely. But if you're one of those people like me that really has like pays attention to it, you'll see the little jagged edges on it. Mm-hmm. Um, but on the TV, it's beautiful. It just because the screen is 720p and on a TV it's going to be like 1080p. It's slightly less well performing on the TV. Mm-hmm. I've noticed the frame drops a lot more often on. As long as it doesn't take away from the experience. Yeah. No. All right. All right. That's, cool. that's it for the week. We have a fun discussion on the after show. Uh, you guys, if you're watching on YouTube, you're going to miss a really odd discussion. Somebody asked us to bring this up. There was a Blade and Soul YouTuber who was threatening to kill himself unless girls send him nudes. What? So All right. Well, yes. This is after show discussion, yes. so we're going to keep this going. All right. Take it easy, guys. Later, See YouTube. You. Okay.